0: Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 8? And we're going to read, begin reading in verse 5. And y'all are probably very familiar with the story about the Roman soldier, the centurion, who was like a captain. He was a centurion because he had a hundred men under him, had a regiment of a hundred men, and he came to Jesus. It says, and when Jesus, when he had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. And he said to the man, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. To another, come. And he comes. And to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall shall be cast out into outer darkness. And in that place, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. Let it be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very hour. Jesus said to the man, go. It just, and, the, and the man said to Jesus, he said, just say, to, just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's what he said. Just say the word. Just say the word. How often... Do we look for something other than the word of God? What else do we need? God's given us everything we need in his word. He and his word are what? One. They're inseparable. So this centurion came to Jesus and there was, there was some important principles that we see in this encounter with Jesus. Number one, the centurion knew where to turn to for help. He came to Jesus. How often do we go everywhere else looking for help when all we got to do is turn to him? Turn to him. This man wasn't a religious person. He was a soldier. And he had a servant who was obviously one who meant a lot to him and he was paralyzed in bed at home. And the centurion had probably heard about Jesus and maybe he'd even witnessed some of the miracles that Jesus had done. Because as a centurion, he probably was given the responsibility of trailing Jesus just to see what he was up to. Don't you think that maybe the rulers of that day probably had someone out there checking him out because they had heard that he was a king? There was this rumor going around that Jesus was establishing a kingdom. So don't you think they probably had this guy tailing him just to see what's going on? And, and this man probably witnessed all the things that Jesus did. And, and finally, he got up the courage to come to Jesus one day. He say to him, Lord, I've got a servant at home that's sick. And Jesus said, well, I'll come and heal him. He said, no, there's no reason for you to come. I'm not worthy for you to do that. You see... But if you'll just say the word, I know that he'll be healed because you see, I I understand authority. That was the other thing. But he came to Jesus in in humility. He didn't come demanding that Jesus come and heal his servant. He didn't demand anything. As a matter of fact, he called Jesus what? He called him, it's a four-letter word. He called him Lord. He said, Lord, my, my servant is sick at home with paralysis and I want you to heal him. I know that you can. But he came in humility. He didn't demand anything from Jesus. And sometimes we feel like that we are entitled to demand that God do things. No, we don't demand that God do things, but we believe in his word. We we stand upon the, the authority of his word. His word is the demand. And he had faith in Jesus' ability to heal. This was apparent. He came to it. This man was a busy man. He wouldn't have wasted his time if he didn't think that Jesus had the ability to heal his servant. And sometimes we pray like we're hoping that maybe by some strange coincidence or something, Jesus will hear us and that he might answer our prayer if we're good enough. Well, see, the the centurion had already removed all of that. He He knew he wasn't good enough. He said, I'm not even worthy that you come to my house. It wasn't on the basis of his goodness or anything else. It was just on the basis of one thing. He knew that he could ask Jesus to do it and Jesus would do it. He had the ability to do it and he understood one other thing. He understood Jesus' authority. He understood where he came from. He knew that he was from God he knew because he had seen and heard all the things that Jesus was doing and he understood that authority. He knew that that if he, all that, all that Jesus had to do was just say the word and his servant would be healed. Now, that was astounding to Jesus. He didn't have to come, he didn't have to have to bring the dancers, he didn't have to bring the singers and he didn't have to call on the elders and anything else to come. All he had to do was just say the word. You just say the word and I know that it'll be done. That's all you gotta do. Just do it. Just say it. And Jesus said the word. You know, the disciples were with Jesus, with Jesus in a boat. Y'all remember that story? And, and they were, they were sailing along and Jesus fell asleep in the boat. And as they, as Jesus fell asleep and a little, a little while later a storm comes up. And, and the boat begins to rock it and everything else. The waves are coming over the edge of the boat and, and, and the, the disciples are, are looking around. They see Jesus laying in the back of the boat. One of them says, doesn't he even care lest we perish? And they woke him up and Jesus said, what's going on? Lord, don't you see there's a storm? We're getting ready to go down. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. And he stood up and he rebuked the wind and said, be still. And they just calmed right down. And his disciples were like, wow, this truly is the son of God. As if they needed more evidence that he was the son of God. This truly is the son of God. He even commands the waves and the wind and they obey him. They understood all of a sudden his authority just on the basis of what he did. Well, maybe I don't know if the centurion had heard about that or not. I don't know what he had heard. But he understood authority, and he understood that all that Jesus had to do was say the word. Well, I want you to understand something. All that you and I have to do is say the word. Jesus said, In my name, in my name, in the authority of of my name, when we understand the authority that Jesus has and the authority that that name possesses, we use that name, and it's not the name. I mean there are a lot of Jesus out there. You go to Mexico and you ask anybody if they know Jesus oh, season si, senor, <laughs> He my neighbor. <laughs> I work with him. There are a lot of Jesus'es. But there was only one Son of God. And it's not just that name. It's the authority behind that name. Understanding that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's the name that we're talking about. I remember several years ago, we'd invited a man by the name of Roy Harthorn to come and preach for us. And Roy had accepted our invitation and then I got a letter from Roy and he says, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to decline. I cannot make our engagements. I didn't know why. He didn't really go into details as to why. And I'm kind of puzzled as to why He canceled on me. It was rather abrupt. Well, a couple of weeks later, I found out why. He had discovered that he had cancer of the kidney, advanced cancer. The cancer was so bad that they had to remove one of his kidneys. And if that's not bad enough, the cancer spread to his other kidney. And he was going to a doctor. Some of you may, if you watch Christian television, you know who Dr. Cherry is. Dr. Cherry was his doctor, spirit-filled Christian doctor. And he was doing everything he could for Dr. Harth. And he had been treating him and had some of the best oncologists in the world treating him. They could do nothing. Roy said that he was lying in his hospital bed and later on Roy came fulfilled his he he did come and held a meeting for us it was awesome but he was giving his testimony of what had happened you see he was given a death sentence you're going to die they said it was terminal he had no hope he was according to the doctors going to die and Roy said he was laying in his hospital bed and he got to feeling sorry for himself. And he's like, God, I've preached the gospel all of these years. Over 60 years, I've preached the gospel. This man even played piano for Smith Wigglesworth when he was a young man. He said, i preached the gospel all these years, and I've seen wondrous things done, and I, you know, all these things. And he says, God, I don't understand. I've seen people healed when I've laid my hands on them. I don't understand what's going on, but Lord, I trust you. He said he just broke down and he just started just weeping, just heaving on the bed. It's about that time his wife walks in. She, she didn't just walk in this time. Pauline Hartham was a sweet little lady and she's written a bunch of books and stuff, but she's awesome. She's usually very mild and meek and laid back. But he said that morning when she came into his hospital room, it's like, boom, she walks in. She comes up to the foot of his bed. She says, Roy Harlan. She said, God spoke to me. And he said to me that every name that is named under heaven and earth, earth beneath, must bow to the name of Jesus. She said, you have been diagnosed with cancer and cancer has a name. Cancer, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave his body. I command you to die in Jesus' name. I command life to Roy's body. And Roy said he was just laying there. You know, his hair was just like, Whoa. And she said, Roy, you will live and not die. Wow. She heard from God. And Roy said he was laying there He said he he didn't feel like, you know, nothing shook in the room, no light from heaven, nothing. (laughs) He's just laying there. So he said the next morning they came. And they said, Dr. Harlan, we're going to to take you for some more tests, some x-rays and things. We want to see how far the cancer has advanced in your other kidney. So they took him in. They did x-rays and stuff and they came back. I said, Dr. Harlan, we need to do some more x-rays. So they took him. They took some more x-rays, sonograms, CAT scans, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they ran every test they could run. They brought him back and said, Dr. Harlan, we don't understand what's going on, but we want to tell you that a miracle has occurred. As a matter of fact, a double miracle has occurred. Not only is there no cancer in your remaining kidney, but... Somehow or another, you've got another kidney. And of course, Dr. Cherry says, we know where that kidney came from, don't we? We understand, we got a miracle working God. So Dr. Harlan was able to come and give his testimony. Well, he was up in his 70s then. Guess what? He, from that time, he was from England, from London, England. And from that time, he went back to England, started a church, and is still pastoring that church in England, way up in his 80s, because that's been a good 10 years ago. And he's... He's still serving God, still loving Jesus, still writing books, still got two great kidneys. Because someone said the word. Someone spoke the word over him and they declared the goodness of God. They declared the power of God over him. You know, sometimes we just need to say the word. Sometimes we need to stand on the authority that God has given us, not just sometimes, but all the time. I want to tell you something, folks. Sometimes we act like we're defenseless against the enemy. Not so. You have authority. Jesus said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? To me, to him. And when he has authority, who did he give that authority to? He gave it to us. And that authority is backed up by his name. When I was a little boy, my mom and dad had a had a uh, a line of credit, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. They had a, a credit account at one of the local grocery stores. And every now and then, my dad would send me to the grocery store. He'd just say, tell them just put it on my bill. So I would go in and I would get the list that mom had for me and I would go up and I said it on the counter. And then when it came down to time to pay, I said my dad said to put it on his bill. And they would they knew who I was, so they would put it on his bill. I was acting in his authority. They knew who I was. Well listen, the devil knows who you are. If you're a child of God, he knows who you are, but he knows what authority is behind you. He doesn't like that authority and he doesn't like you. So he will do everything he can to undermine that authority. What do you think the devil has always been up to? You know, he got kicked out of heaven because of his eye trouble. He did. I will ascend above the throne of God, I will exalt myself above the heavens. Ay, 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 ay. And sometimes we have the same trouble. We have that eye trouble too. It's the big eye, you know. Not this, but I. I am my own person. I don't need I, I, I. We we do all these things. But when we understand that we have an authority that's greater than us. And that authority is Jesus. And we are the sons of God. The devil don't like God. And he don't like his sons either. So you just have to understand that. And as Jesus said, you know, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome. Jesus has already overcome your trouble, whatever that trouble is. He has already overcome it. And sometimes we have to say the word, just like this man understood the authority of Jesus and he understood the authority that he possessed. Jesus was impressed with this guy because he said, I too am a man under authority and I have soldiers under me and I say to this one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he, he does it. This man understood Jesus' authority. Do you understand it? Do you understand the authority that Jesus has? When he says all authority is given unto me, how, how much authority does Jesus have? Thank you. Did you get that? If you're writing down this morning, if you're taking notes, just, just write that, that word down. All. A-L-L. If you want the Greek for it, it's P-A-S. PAS. And it means all. Everything. All authority. Jesus has all the authority. So if Jesus has all the authority, how much authority does Satan have? Thank you. He's been stripped of all his authority. When Jesus died on the cross and he ascended into the bowels of hell, he took something from Satan. He took the keys. Now those keys represented authority. So he took back the authority that Adam had given to Satan. He took it back from him. And he's transferred that authority to you and I. And the key to that authority is his name. In my name. If any two of you agree on earth as asking anything of the Father, come on, help me out. In my name, I will do it. In my name. So we just got to say it. Just got to say the word. Now, what is the word? John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word And the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, makes it pretty simple, don't it? You know, Satan hates it when we say that word. It makes him tremble. But you got to have relationship with Jesus in order to use that word effectively. Otherwise, you get yourself in trouble. There were seven vagabond Jews in, in Acts chapter 9. And they were following the disciples around and everything, watching what they were doing. And, and they were casting demons out of people. And, and so they thought, well, we'll do that too. They probably saw Paul casting out some demons. So, so they, they get this guy that's just full of demons, you know. And they, they say, we command you to come out in the name of of the Jesus that Paul knows. And the demons just laughed at him and says, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but we're going to beat the daylights out of you. And it says they ran out of the house naked. I mean, this demons just tore him up because they didn't have the authority to use that name. Not just anybody can use that name now. If the kid down the street would have walked in the grocery store and gathered up a bunch of groceries and took them up on the, and set them on the counter and says, "I want to put these on Jimmy Vest's account," you think they would have got it done? They would have said, "Listen, Jimmy Vest, we know we know his kids, but you're not one of them. We're not going to let you put that on his account." You see, that's the power. Of the name of Jesus is the relationship we have with Him. Without that relationship, his name is powerless. I mean, it might as well be the Jesus we know down in Mexico. You're not going to get anywhere. But if you use the name of Jesus based on the relationship that you have with him, you have authority that backs you up. You can just say the word. Say the word. Do we understand the power of the words that we speak? Do we realize that we have the authority of God to speak the word and expect results? Most of us don't. Most of us act as though we're afraid to speak the word of God with authority. You know, sometimes we pray like this. Lord, I know that my brother has an illness And Lord, I don't know if you put it on him or not to teach him something. (laughs) We don't want to pray against your will. But if it's your will, and Lord, we ask you, if, if possibly you could, to make this sickness leave him. Amen. Does that sound like an effective prayer? I hope God don't answer those kind. You know? But sometimes that's the way we pray. But we have to stand in authority and understand the authority that we have. Understand that we belong to God. We're his children. So we have a right to use that name. And we have the authority that's behind that name. Romans chapter 10, verses six through 15 says, but the righteousness based on faith speaks thus. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down. Now, that's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Or who will ascend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? What Paul was saying is it's, it's, it's crazy for us to think that Jesus is somewhere else. He's here already. He is in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. When we think of the word Christos, we think of anointed. You are an anointed one because of the power. You have an unction of the Holy One, it says. In in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 8, you have an unction of the Holy One. You have an anointing of the Holy One inside of you. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's inside of you. He is inside of you. If he is inside of you, you have that authority inside to speak the word he says, but the word is near you. Where is the word? In your mouth and in your heart. The word in the beginning was the, come on, help me out, word. Jesus is the word. You got that right? He's in our heart, okay? That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess, now again, I want to give you that word again, Confess is the word homolegeo, and it's spelled like H-O-M-O-L-E-G-E-O, homolegeo. It means one or same, same, speech, Legeo. To say the same thing, to speak the same thing, to agree. Now, when we confess, we agree, okay? So, to confess means to agree with God, and when we agree with God, we agree with him on what? That we are sinners in need of salvation. That we are sinners in need of his grace. I agree with that. Until we come to that place where we agree with God without, then we're not going to get anywhere with God. We can't repent if we don't acknowledge our sins. We don't know where to turn from. And we certainly don't know where to turn to. So we confess. We agree with God. All have sinned. Everybody say all. There's that word again. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned, who does that mean has sinned? All. All. I'm sorry if I burst your bubble. And maybe you felt like you weren't a sinner. But we all are. And we sin because we're sinners. But that doesn't leave us, it doesn't leave us There. Because if we read on down in the book of Romans, we understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We all understand that, don't we? But Paul Paul goes on here in chapter 10, but he said his word that if you confess with your mouth, what? That Jesus is Lord and believe, have faith upon, or... Trust in or be firmly persuaded in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And just it is written, how beautiful a feat of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is believing. We can't believe until we hear. And how are we going to hear unless somebody is sent? Unless we hear the preaching and we got to have somebody to send to us. But we need to understand the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When Paul cast out demons or healed, he did it in the name of Jesus and understood the authority of that name. When Peter was ministering to the crippled man at the gate, beautiful, he spoke the name of Jesus and he used the authority of that name. What did he say? Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have. What did he have? He had the name of Jesus and the authority of that name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he stood up and walked. Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who have believed In my name, everybody say, in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons of the devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I've probably done all of those things, but but pick up serpents. I'm not going to pick up one unless it picks me up first. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not one of those. I'm sorry. If I have to prove my my faith by handling a rattlesnake, just call me old faithless one. (laughs) But if I'm bitten by one, I have faith to believe that God's going to take care of me. Amen. But these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In my name. If we just say the word, the name of Jesus, and we understand the authority that we have in that name, things can change in our lives. My wife and I prayed for our sons in the name of Jesus. We prayed for their wives. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. He knew who they would marry long before we did. My mother prayed for my wife in the name of Jesus. Thank God she did. Because I would certainly probably be married the wrong person. Before I met her. And it took God to put us together. I mean it really did. But it was a God thing. And I'm so thankful for that. My mother first saw Becky. She said to me. She says you're going to marry that girl. Because she's a woman of God. I said mama you don't even know her. She said yes I do. I said how do you know her. She said because I've been praying for her. She knew. In the spirit. And I say that to say this, if you have children and they're involved in things that they shouldn't be involved in, you can harp at them, you can berate them, you can shame them, you can do all those things. It's not going to change anything. But I tell you what will change things. Prayer and the authority of the name of Jesus will change things. When you stand up and you begin to declare the name of Jesus and the authority of God over your children, things are going to change they will change. God will turn things around for you. If you've got a husband or a wife who is unsaved or, 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 or maybe they're, they're beginning to wonder in the name of Jesus, you need to be, start declaring the name of Jesus over that person. You begin to use the authority that God has given you over them, over your children, over your spouse, over your household. Don't allow certain things in your house. You know, sometimes we think that the devil can just run roughshod over us, and there's nothing we can do about this. There is. You can use the authority that you have in the name of Jesus, and you can stand up, and you can boldly declare, "You stop right here. You come no farther." My wife and I, when we moved out to Cape Hatteras and we were pastoring in Avon, we had a series of events that took place, and 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 there were folks that inhabited the house we were in before us, and. And and we heard things that went on and we just, but we knew that there was something there that just wasn't of God. And I don't know what you agree with or know about demons and, and wicked spirits and things like that, but spirits are disembodied entities that don't have a body. But they can manifest themselves in other ways. And there were things that would happen in our home. We just... You know, and we had a, had a couple that came and preached for us one night and Becky shared with them what was going on in our house. And they said, we want to come and pray over your house. So they came over and took a bottle of oil and anointed everything. It was so slick in our house. I mean, (laughs) they anointed around the windows and the doors and above and beneath and everything else. I thought they'd never leave. (laughs) But when they left, we didn't have that problem anymore. In the name of Jesus, we created an atmosphere in our home where we understood that the authority of God ruled and reigned. and We didn't allow those kinds of things in. But you can open the door through a lot of things too. Things that you allow in your home that come through the picture tubes on your television, through the airways or the internet, you can open those doors. But in the name of Jesus, you can also close those doors. Some of you have found yourself becoming enslaved to debt. And it's like, when does it ever stop? Abby Van Buren used to write an article in the paper. She's been dead a long time now. Abigail, dear Abby. How many of y'all remember dear Abby? I remember one time, a lot of stuff she said, you know, I take with a grain of salt, but she, she made some good points. But one thing she said one time that really stood out to me she said that you make your habits and then your habits make you. She said it takes 21 days to establish a habit or to break a habit. If you do something repetitively for 21 days, you've established a habit. And some of us have established a habit of overspending. Now, if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you're gonna keep getting the same results. And we call that what? Insanity. So if you're going to break the cycle, then you have to change. And you may say, well, I don't have the power to change because I've got a habit that I can't break. Well, if you have that kind of attitude, you certainly won't change. And you will become more and more enslaved to your debt and your debt will become your master. And your master will put you on the streets. So you've got to break it. How are you going to do it? In the name of Jesus, you're going to have to stand up and say the word over your indebtedness. You're going to have to say, I'm stopping right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to change the habits. I'm going to change my spending habits. There's certain things that I don't need, that I think I need, that I've got to have, that you don't have to have. You can stop it. And you've got to, or you become, because the Bible says that the debtor is slave to the lender. So you got to break it. Other habits you may have. Well, you know, I've had a smoking habit for 25 years. I can't seem to break it. Yes, you can. But you're going to have to take mastery over it. Or I have an eating habit. I can't seem to stop eating. Well, I don't know of anybody that's gonna take you by the hand and drag you to the refrigerator. (laughs) It's gonna put a gun to your head and say, eat this. We eat because we have established an appetite for food and a sense of overindulgence that has enslaved us. And we're gonna have to break it if we're gonna get mastery over it or else it's gonna keep mastery over us. Do you see what I'm saying? We have to change things. But you've got to say the word over. You have to use the authority that you have in order to break free. And I want to say the word over you today. I want to say the word that you are healed in Jesus' name. Some of you have been sick for a long time. I want to declare over you today in the authority of the name of Jesus that you were healed. How do I know that? Because who himself bare our sins in his own body on that tree that we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye? What's the word? Were is a past tense. You were healed because Jesus paid it all. He paid for it. If he paid for it, take it. In the authority of the name of Jesus, take it. Declare it over yourself. Some of you today, I'm declaring over you that you are free from those who hurt you in the past. I'm declaring today that you are forgiving those who have hurt you so you can be free. Now, this is something that I think probably touches all of us because we've all been hurt. Has anybody here never been hurt? Well, get in line. <laughs> get ready because it's going to happen. But I declare to you today that God has given us the power of forgiveness, and I speak that power of forgiveness over you. I declare that you are free from the enslavement of bitterness and anger toward those who hurt you. In the name of Jesus, forgive. Say the word, I forgive. In the name of Jesus, I forgive. forgive. And you have to keep doing that. My wife and I know this firsthand. We have been hurt and we know what it takes to get over it. You have to keep declaring, I forgive. At first, you almost feel like a hypocrite when you say it. But you have to keep saying it because by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. But if you can continually confess that I forgive, you forgive. It becomes a part of your being. I declare today that all of you are blessed. Blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I say the word over your people. I declare blessing. I declare freedom from debt. I declare abundance. I declare prosperity in the name of Jesus. I declare healing, Lord. I declare freedom from habits and things that enslave and entwine. In the name of Jesus, I I declare victory, freedom in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, if if you will receive that, will you stand to your feet today? In the name of Jesus, I declare it over you. In the name of Jesus, would you just say this, by the authority that is vested in me. In the name of Jesus, I declare that I am free. I I am free from debt. I am free from the past. I'm free from my past sins. I'm free from past entanglements. I break soul ties over me. And I say that I am free from bad relationships. I am free from the power of the enemy in any shape or form. I declare By the authority vested in me, that I am a child of God. And as a child of God, I have rights within me that God has placed there. And I thank you, Lord, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Against the, Against the kingdom of God that is established inside of me. Inside of me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 You know, Jesus said in Luke 18, he says, many of you will say, Where is the kingdom of God? Is it here? Or is it there? Jesus said, No, the kingdom of God is where? Inside of you. It's inside of you. It is the rule and the authority of God. If Jesus reigns and He reigns inside of you, you have authority. Amen? Amen. Use it. Say the word. Say the word. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. What is that standard? The word. The word of God. The declaration of faith. The word of God. The word of faith that you and I preach. The word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Confess it, believe it, stand on it. Use it. Use the authority that you have. Just like little Pauline Harthorn Everything has a name. But there's a name that's above all other names, and that name is Jesus. And in that name, you have authority. You are free in Jesus' name. I declare it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.